And now we return to our regularly scheduled program featuring Memo. In case you didn't get it, his name is Guillermo. Get, get, get the memo. Okay, whatever. <laughs> I want to go back to what you were saying about the men's role. Yeah. So I just question: is it is it a woman's issue? I mean, she didn't get pregnant without a man, so it's not like men aren't part of the equation. Of course, we are. So we at least, quote unquote, have a say in it. Now, about the men's role, I wanted to share this story. I, I really enjoy sharing the story because I was. Uh, uh, seriously behind enemy lines at, at my Cal State. I was taking a, a Chicano feminism class. Oof. Oh, oh gosh. Oh, oh, what was I doing? That's um, a whole other story. I mean, whole other story. Like I'll, I'll share more on that on, on a different occasion. We presented on some contemporary issue. We were put into groups uh, presenting on a contemporary issue. Abortion was going to be one of them, and it was. So this group of women, there was only three guys in the class and eh, more than 20 women, more or less. Uh, so a group of uh, women presented, they presented on abortion, they made their point. <sighs> Q&A, okay, any questions? And um, yeah, I, I couldn't keep my mouth shut. I raised my hand <laughs> and they said, okay. And I said something I shouldn't have, uh, or at least I could have, um, wiggle my, my, my way around my point better. And I basically asked, uh, what about what about the baby's rights? What about the big blah, blah, blah? And, you know, I lost them. I lost them immediately. They didn't really answer my question. And so I asked them, let me ask you something. It, it's a, it's a, it might sound like a stupid question. Just answer it. What's the point of birth control? What's the end game of birth control? And they said, to avoid pregnancy. All right, that's the point. That's the goal. We want to avoid pregnancies. Cool. Um, if that's the end game, which it is, then there's something else that birth control just doesn't cut. Something that... Um, if we really didn't want to have a baby, if we really don't want to risk having a baby, there's something that we can do that works 100% of the time. It is completely free. Uh, and, and um, okay, I said it, it works all the time. What is, the, what is it that we can do to really achieve this goal of not having a baby? Abstinence. Yeah. That is when they exploded. The whole class absolutely exploded. Uh, everyone was talking and basically yelling all at the same time. They, they were so loud, I couldn't hear what they were saying. Um, I caught a couple of things. One person said, what if we wanna have sex? 
Uh, and somebody else said, no, you know, sex doesn't have to be uh, for appropriation. It could be for sport. It could be for fun. It could be for this and that. And, but, but point being, <laughs> look, if we want to avoid pregnancies, this is the best way to do it. If that's what we really want. Therefore, we know, no, we don't really want to avoid pregnancy. What we want is something else. We want to be able to have sex with a, and get away with it. Well, one of the things that we need to do as Catholics and Christians is make it sexy, if I dare say, to to take up our position, to take up our lifestyle. Right. I mean, we're yeah. talking about virtue. We're talking about natural law. Uh, one thing that might be helpful to to contextualize this chronologically, this overall subject is, you know, like the trajectory that we're on. Natural law, natural law like dogmas and doctrines is unchanging, immutable. In the later 1800s, that, the, that is when the natural law by and large or across the globe degraded. It basically fell off the face of the planet. And if you wanna nerd out on some theology, you can read some of the great popes of the late 19th century, Casti Canubi, Rerum Novarum, highly recommended. It's a natural law exhortation on the role of the family, how every child has a right to a father and a mother under the same household, and that it's a violation of that otherwise, and everything else that goes with that. Fast forward to 1917, Our Lady of Fatima teaches us that souls are falling into hell like snowflakes. That was over a century ago, <laughs> to say nothing of where we're at now, right? First wave feminism. Susan B. Anthony, she's just like, hey, I'm not all about slavery and women can vote. Great. I think we could all agree with that. That's great. She was pro-life. Then you fast forward to second wave feminism in the 60s. And and it just it just goes down from there. I, I wanted to share a story uh, when I used to do pro-life work. I remember I was in front of an abortion clinic, which is right in front of USC Medical Center. And I was praying there with a group of people. And I'll, remember, I'll never forget this. I think I was um, born there. Huh? I think I was born Were there. you born at that one? Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's crazy. So I was praying there. And I remember this, this girl, young girl. She looked like she was 19, maybe 18 years old. She was walking towards the, uh, you know, the clinic. She was going to enter. And I was like, I don't know how I isolated her. But I was like, hey, can I talk to you? Just give me one minute. That's all I'm asking. And she's like, okay, okay, make it quick. Um, you know, I don't, I don't have much time. I have an appointment. And I forgot what I said to her, but the conversation went on. And then I said to her, hey, have you had breakfast? And she's like, no, I haven't. I was like, you're probably really hungry. She's like, yeah, I'm really hungry. I'm like, there's a McDonald's right here. Let's, let's go get some food. So I took it to McDonald's and, you know, we ate. Uh, well, she ate. I didn't eat anything. I was just talking that she ate, did that on purpose. And, um, you know, obviously I was saying all these different things to her. And I remember her telling me, look, um, that's all fine and dandy, but my parents are going to kick me out. My boyfriend left me. I got nowhere to go. Uh, so I have no choice. I either have this abortion or I'm on the streets. And I told her, look, you know, like I'll take you to the clinic. I'll, I'll take you to these resource centers, these pregnancy centers. I'll, I'll make sure. And she's like, look, Javier, you're saying that now, but when the day comes, I know how this is going to go. 
And I'm like, you know, I just kind of put my head down. You know, I was like, I was like, no, 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 this is a life, you know, this is, a, you know, a human being, like, this is your child, you know, and I'll say all this stuff. Anyways, well, I walk her back to the abortion clinic and she, she actually gives me a hug and she's like, thank you. Um, but I, I'm going to have the abortion. Now, this is on a Saturday. Um, the, the abortion clinic is not open on Sunday. So she goes in. Well, <laughs> little does she know that you can't have an abortion when you have eaten, full, uh, you have a full belly. <laughs> so now she's got a full belly. She goes back into the abortion clinic. She cannot have the abortion on that day. So that bought me time or bought that child, God, Holy Spirit, some time to work on her. She had until Monday now, or probably Monday, to have that abortion because she was probably going to be surprised when she went in there. And sure enough, <laughs> she went in there. She comes back out like 20 minutes later. <laughs> she looks at me like, you son of a gun, you know? And I, and I just look at her and I was like, you know, here's my number. I'm praying for you. You know, I hope, you know, you choose life. I hope you, you make the right choice for your child. And she says, thank you. And she just walked away. Obviously, I never heard from you, but. Dude, Catholic, you're onto something, man. Why are we not having intense food stands out in the front of mills as the introductory touch point, right? Because we have these 10 second sound bites that we have to throw out like, I care about you. It's a life. There's another way, right? Like, we could be 10 seconds. Like, why don't we just have this incredible top of the line food for free? And they won't even realize. <laughs> Boom. I don't remember yeah. that being in Abby Johnson's unplanned. We might be on to something here. Yeah, that, that's true. Yeah. You know, yeah. Just hand out a bunch of like Oreo cookies. Chicken wings. <laughs> no, we got Chicken We got to go. We in Buffalo, go. that's what we're going to do because that'll work. <laughs> not, not Buffalo wings? <laughs> no, pizza. Not... <laughs> oh, man. Hey, we oh, have a whole, whole large pizza here. Mm. Grab a slice. I, I, there's another story I just wanted to say really quickly. This is really, really awesome because it touched me. I remember there's this woman that wanted to have an abortion and she went into one of those mobile ultrasound, um, you know, places that they had. And I don't know how they convinced her, but you know, they, they say that most women who see their child in ultrasound, they will not have an abortion. So anyways, so this woman goes in there and she's like, look, there's nothing you could do or say that's going to convince me otherwise, but I promise my mom that I would come in here. So she goes in there and she sees the baby on the ultrasound and it doesn't reach her. And she says to the lady, look, if my child could speak to me right now or touch me right now, I would choose life. And as she said that, obviously this is being recorded, the little baby in her womb kind of went like this and pushed up against her, her tummy. Right, not that the hand came out or anything like <laughs> anything like that, but it went like that, like kind of reaching out, trying to touch her. And the woman saw that and she's just she she lost it. She started crying and she's like, forgive me. Like, and she, you know, obviously, you know, so she she had that baby. Anyways, I remember that woman telling the story at a uh, gala uh, that we had for a pro-life uh, clinic. So, anyways, I just want to share that. I I have a I have my own abortion story. Um, well, not abortion story, but abortion <laughs> clinic story. So um, I don't remember which Saturday it was, but I, I went to one of these because, you know, pro-life guy, want to do what I can. 
and went to one of those, um, one of those, I don't know, I don't even know what to call it. Not a protest. We were just out there praying for people. Yeah. Um, this one lady, this one lady that's uh, walking in with her boyfriend or uh, the partner, whatever, whatever he was, they were in their 20s. Um, they were even a little bit older than I was at the time. And uh, and she goes over to us and she starts yelling at us. And yeah, I'm, I'm a murderer and this and that. And you can see the pain in her eyes as she just went in and she was like yelling at us and cursing at us. That's it. Wow. I'm, I'm, I'm save anyone. And here, here's the thing about that. Here's the thing about this message that we can, we can have a lot of, you know, positive stories, but sometimes sure. it's not going to make a damn difference and it's going to hurt. Yeah, it is. You're going to feel like you're worthless. Your prayers don't matter. Crap doesn't matter because people don't give a damn about it being a human life, yeah. you know, and, and we need to be ready for that because it feels like garbage. It sucks. And as right as we may are about this issue, as right as Mother Teresa was about it being a poverty that, that you know, we may kill our own children because they're an inconvenience, because they're in the way. Like, we need to be ready for the garbage that is humankind sometimes. You know, don't count me out. You know, I'm, I can be a garbage human being at times. But I, I think we need to, I need, I think we need to be ready for that and still do whatever the heck we can to put an end to it because we have a huge part men in this battle. And I think another thing too is that we should consider is the women uh, that are going through this, um, you know, uh, not to say that they're justified in making this decision, but we should be compassionate towards them. Um, we will never go through that and we will never be in that position because of the fact that we're men, uh, but we need to pray for them, you know, pray for those women. Uh, pray for those women, uh, you know, that go through this struggle uh, of, of having to decide all that pressure that they have from society, uh, from the world, uh, from their family, from their boyfriends, their lovers, whatever, to have this, to have this abortion. So we don't know what that's like, right? We don't know what that's like because we will never be in that position. So um, can we make a judgment? Whether it's wrong or not, yes, we can. But um, we shouldn't judge the person because we don't, only God knows their intention. Only God knows who, what they're going through, but, and we should pray for them, right? Um, you know, you think about these women like in third world countries and they're having all these children and they have one more, they're, you know, they can barely feed the ones they have. Obviously they shouldn't be having sex, right? Going back to what Memo was saying, but pray for them. Of course. Um, because we don't know what they're what they're going through. And another thing I want to say is is Our Lady Guadalupe. Right? Yeah. Uh, we threw out our you know Our Lady Fatima. I want to throw out Our Lady Guadalupe because she is the one that appears pregnant, you know, and, and she's the one that brings us that that message of 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 life in her womb and reminded us, right? Reminded the Aztec people who were murdering, <laughs> sacrificing millions upon millions of children uh, to their gods, reminding them how precious life is uh, and how barbaric it is to, to, to kill a human being, uh, regardless of how small, how defenseless it is, uh, that we should always stand up for life. And it's not masculine to hold back the truth, right? I mean, if, if we as men are gonna cower and, and be afraid to engage the conversation 
because of how it's going to make someone feel, then you just got to go home because that's not going to work. I mean, making it back to my point before the studio break, making it sexy to take the Catholic position is so important. You know, uh, there is nothing more romantic than, you know, and I'm going to keep it PG, but when, when a man and a woman get together in matrimony and you are faithful to each other, I mean, the Catholic position is you are, you are coming to completion in the unitive act every single time. There is nothing, you know, more romantic than that. And that is the pro-life position. I mean, who doesn't actually want that? Uh, motherhood, right? Like the fact that a woman going back to Cassidy Canubi and Rerum Navarum, right? In the late 1800s, like this incredible, like cry in the wilderness of what the natural law is that can never change. It's just, it's what's going to make you happy because you're going to be at peace, right? Joy is the second fruit of the Holy Ghost. It all stems from charity, the first fruit, but you're not going to have joy in your life if you're not living in accordance with the natural law. For mothers, we have to like make this attractive and, and let people know, hey, if you're going to be a mom and, and you want to decide to come home, like be at home and raise your children, the very young children, at least when they really need you, in motherhood contains every single career on earth. You are the judge. You are the jury. You are the barber. You are the lawyer. You are the negotiator. You are the teacher, the educator. You are every single career there is. If you actually just take the time to meditate on that and you can make that impact on the child's life because you know it, 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 it all starts with the family, right? It all starts with the family unit, the nucleus, the home. There is no society. There is no government. There are no laws. Like we're, we're fighting this battle of, of the different laws that are out there on abortion and everything else. You don't even have that if you don't have a family. So, I mean, there's just so many things that we can and should do to make the Catholic position attractive and to not be afraid to go there. Amen. You know, I want to be stupid and say the executioner, but I didn't because I'm mature. I avoided that one because it's a little intimidating. I, but I that's felt like too. you were going to use it. You didn't. I felt like jumping in, but I fought <laughs> the urge because I am mature. <laughs> And that was the only thing I had to contribute right now. But no, like seriously though, like when you when you were saying, you know, we have to make it sexy, it kind of kind of made me laugh a little bit internally, you know. But it's true. I, and the thing is, we don't have to do much work. All we have to do is is live it, you know. And I, I can't tell you how many times I brought this up in the podcast in the last couple of years that that when my family and I go out and we have a meal, um, you know, whenever it's feasible, because feeding a family of five it's it's kind of expensive you know but when we do it's kind of an event it turns heads and there's one particular thing that i that i mentioned in the podcast before um you see young guys that that may have bought into this this culture kind of hold the door for the family and and they feel good about it and then i kind of turn to them and you know i don't i'm not the i'm not the coolest looking guy in the world but i have a cute wife and a bunch of cute kids and when they're opening that door and I look at them in the eye and I'm like, thank you, gentlemen. You know, like they, they stand up a little bit more straight, you know? And you can tell that that family is goals. 
You know, that's what our hearts crave. We don't need to make it. We don't need to make a show. We don't need to make a spectacle out of it. Family life, the, the holy life, if you may, you know, the wholesome life, like that's, that's attractive. And everyone wants it, but not everyone had it growing up. And because of that, we we're dysfunction. You know, we, we have a dysfunction in our society. We have a, a wound in our society that, that Pope Benedict XVI was talking about when he was talking about, about life being the presupposed right that all human beings have, you know, and to not, and to consider abortion a fundamental human right before life itself, that's, that's a disorder in our society. We'll return after these messages. 